Ruben and Michael, thanks for joining me today to follow up on the discussions around Ephesians. Um, I know in a 30-minute message, it's difficult to fully expand on some of the big ideas that come up in a passage of Scripture. So I'm hoping that these discussions will provide some further insights into the major themes in each chapter. So today, we'll be discussing chapter 1. And I thought I'd get it started today with just a couple of issues that came up for me when I read through chapter 1 and listened to your messages, Ruben. Um, The first one is this, that Paul begins by saying that God blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then towards the end of the chapter, Paul prays that we may know God's incomparably great power. And it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So, Reuben, I thought we'd get started with this discussion. Uh, Maybe by having you list what every spiritual blessing is. What do you think? (laughs) Every single (laughs) spiritual blessing in the world. Right, yeah. How long have you got? (laughs) Yeah, no, thanks, Randall, and thanks for um, initiating this. This is great. Although Randall and I have argued who actually initiated this podcast, <laughs> That's right. whether it was you or me. But, That's right. But this is good to do, I think, just to reflect on Scripture together and uh, talk about it in community rather than just in isolation, which is great. Um, that, that verse where Paul talks about God blessing us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, which is chapter 1, verse 3, that um, I can't read that verse without a picture in my mind of uh, a guy I know, a preacher, who preached a message on this passage dressed in this huge onesie. <laughs> and it was like, you know, those big those big furry onesies that you just completely right. are, are, are encompassed by. And <laughs> and I think just his little, little face sticking out of that onesie. I didn't see it, but he, I've heard about it. And what he was illustrating... In a, in a weird kind of way, was how we are fully enveloped in Christ and how our identity is so wrapped up in Christ, just like he was wrapped up in this onesie. <laughs> and it was like this it, it, this thing just covered him and he was inside it. And he was sort of using this to demonstrate how that, that's who we are now, you know, as those who have been brought out of darkness and into light, those who have uh, come into the family of God, we are now in Christ. We are we are so enveloped in Him. We're wrapped up in His identity, and as I said in the message, what that means is that everything that's Christ's becomes ours. And and that's that's how I see. That's how I think Paul describes these spiritual blessings. They're not they're not just random blessings that God's chosen to give us to be kind to us, and He's given us peace, and He's given us forgiveness, and He's given us love. But He's given us what is in Christ. He given He's given us what's Jesus. What is Jesus's? Uh, and so it's it's Christ's life and it's his obedience and it's his righteousness and it's his death on our behalf and it's his resurrection and it's his place in heaven before the Father. Um, it's his inheritance. It's his relationship with the Father in the present. So I, I think all of these blessings that Paul, and Paul doesn't say it quite that way in this passage. He talks about us being blessed and chosen and predestined and all of these things. But I think it all comes back to that identity we have in Christ, which is really one of Paul's favorite phrases of constantly telling us, you're in Christ, you're in Christ, you're Mm. in Christ. Mm. And everything else is kind of unpacking that. There's a lot of talk about blessings within the Christian community and and, uh, a lot of views on what a blessing is. Yeah. Uh, But what's the practical reality of the spiritual blessings in Christ in our day-to-day lives, you know? Yeah, well, I guess before we go into that, one of the things that immediately comes to mind as I listen to this and as I listen to what Ruben said is, are all of these things actually now? Mm -hmm. Like, 
when I read things like that I have every spiritual blessing and that uh, we're holy and blameless, I don't know, perhaps it's just me, but I know I'm not holy and blameless uh, every single day of my life. I could have told what? you that. <laughs> so the reality is when it comes to these sorts of passages and the blessings and, and some of these sorts of things, mm. what actually applies to us now as believers mm. and what of what if it is or how much of it is sort of more future in mm. time to come? And so where's the mm. where's the difference between where I am in reality now and what I read about in this particular passage? And I think to yeah. me that is, yeah. is an important thing that I wrestle with as I go through this chapter. Yeah. I think it's a real challenge to understand the scriptures in a way that's practical to our mm-hmm. lives. Like, how do we actually live out the spiritual mm-hmm. blessing? And how does God give us the blessing, like Michael yep. says, now? And I think we all kind of innately understand that we're looking forward to a blessing. Mm-hmm. But what about like right now? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and I think... Uh, Maybe the best way to answer that is to, is just to look at the text, and Paul says in verse six, uh, seven rather, in Him we have redemption. So there's one blessing we have, and we have that blessing now. We've been redeemed from our sins through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. I, I think sometimes the way you can tell is just the way Paul talks about things that have happened in the past like that, uses the past tense. He has lavished grace on us. That's a done deal. So those are good promises for us to claim in the present and remember that this, if, if we belong to Christ, this is true of us. We are forgiven. We have the riches of God's grace. And he has lavished that on us. But then, as you move forward into verses 8 and 9 and 10, Paul looks ahead. And I think this is part of what you're picking up, Michael, that there, there is this future dimension where Paul says he's already made known to us some of what's coming. He's made known to us, verse 9, the mystery of his will. But it's not yet here. It's verse 10, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, which we know to be the time when Christ returns. And that's when everything will be brought to unity in heaven and on earth under Christ. Because as you say, I, I don't see a whole lot that's under under the unity of Christ now. Yeah. I know my, my own heart yeah. is yeah. not submitted to Christ all the time now. Mm. Um, Our world is far from submitted to Christ. I mean, we see so much division, injustice, corruption, exploitation, and so on. And so we can't, you can't expect that everything is going to be brought under the unity of Christ Jesus in the present, because that's more than what God has promised in the present. It was purchased at the cross, but we're still waiting for that fulfillment when Christ returns. And maybe I think part of what you're pointing out, Randall, is we, we can get ourselves into trouble practically when we kind of try to claim all of these blessings mm. that really, Paul is saying, that's still mm. waiting for us yeah. in the future. Yeah. And we and we try and pull them into the present, wrench them out of the new creation in a sense, and try to plonk them down in our lives today. And then we have these really unrealistic expectations, I think, of just maybe how good life is going to be for us or how victorious we're going to be as a Christian or right. how right. much victory I'll be able to have over sin in my life or how great my relationship's going to be or whatever. And I think this is a reality check to remember that it was all one for us on the cross through Christ. Many of those blessings we have now, but many of them Hmm. are still waiting for us in the Hmm. new creation. And we have to live with that already, but not yet, kind of Christian life. Celebrating what we have now, but we're still looking forward to what is to come. And to me, one of the things that I found so encouraging going through this passage again 
was in the end of that section there, it talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so for me, that idea, that seal of the Holy Spirit, that is to me the tangible thing that I know that as a believer, I have God's Spirit living within me, dwelling within me. Mm. And that is really the thing that enables me to live the life that God wants me to live. It gives me the hope of knowing that what God has said he will do long term, he actually will do because I know that God's Spirit dwells within me. Mm. And it is God's Spirit that brings conviction of sin. It's God's Spirit that actually empowers me to live the life that uh, he wants me to live. And, and, you know, that big, long sentence, and, and as you talked about, Ruben, is that, you know, Paul would have failed every single grammar class because he just puts thought upon thought and he doesn't follow structure and all those sorts of things. But, you know, he really brings it in that big, long sentence there and he talks about the whole importance of the Spirit of God, which is really the guarantee that we have that what he said he's going to do, he's already started and he's actually going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And Michael and I have talked about how it, some of these passages are difficult to preach because it's almost like Paul gets too excited. He just he, he can't help himself. It just sort of pours out of him, and uh, it's not always the methodical kind of uh, presentation that you want. I was just going to point out as you were talking there, um, and you referenced verse 14, uh, where Paul describes the Spirit as the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And just the way, picking up on this, this this present aspect of our salvation and this future aspect of our salvation, and you can see that really clearly with the way he uses that word redemption. So you see there in verse 14, he's talking about it in the future. The Spirit guarantees our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. That's when Christ returns. There'll be that mm. full redemption. But back in verse 7, he's used it in the past tense, or in the present tense, rather. In him we have redemption through his blood. So there, and this is probably oh, why it gets well, confusing, same word, yeah. but this is where um, this is why it's important to study Scripture together, I think, because we, we figure these things out together. That um, we ha- in one sense, we have redemption. We are redeemed now. We are saved. God has rescued us from sin and brought us into his presence, brought us into his glorious light. In another sense, we're still waiting for redemption in the sense of, the full and final and complete redemption that is going to come to us when Christ Mm. returns, where we are totally renewed in the image of God and all of our sin is done away with, that nature is completely gone and we're free from all of that and we're perfected in the image of God. That's the final sense of redemption. But uh, there it is, right? You know, we are redeemed and and we're being redeemed in a sense and we will one day be redeemed. So all three are true (laughs) somehow. It's amazing. It's fantastic how... It's fantastic how the scriptures can come, yep. come alive in yep. that way, you know. Yeah. And you can start to see scriptures in a new light. Mm. Um, mm. Thanks. That was that was really helpful, I think, in in terms of trying to understand the the now and the, what we're waiting on in the future. Yeah. Um, so the 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 next point that uh, I wanted us to discuss today is just really that incomparably great power for us who believe, and it's the same power. Paul says that raised Jesus from the dead. Mm. And I haven't seen a lot of people raised from the dead. <laughs> and so it really is hard for me to match up this incomparably great power that we can know mm. and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. What yeah. are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll, I'll say a couple of things and you, and you guys will have thoughts on it too. I, I uh, For me, there's, there, there's a real tension in that because I see Paul talking here about this incredible power that God makes available 
for us. And he's really clear about this, that God's power is for us who believe. And it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power Jesus is exercising now as he rules over all things. Um, but at the same time, I don't see a lot of that in my life. Mm. And I remember even as I was preaching this, I, I could look out and see people who would dearly love to see more of God's power mm. in their marriages or in their children's health or whatever it is that they're desperately praying for. And I I don't know exactly how to reconcile that with this verse, except to say that God's power is real and that I think what Paul is saying is every time we ask for God's power, he gives it to us according to his purposes and according to his will. His power is for us who believe, but it's not something for us to manipulate. It's not something for us to use for our own selfish purposes. It's something for us to draw upon and call upon and then to trust that God will use his power in our lives and our circumstances in the ways that he sees fit according to his purposes and his plans. And we may never see exactly how that works, but I do believe that every time we ask for God's power, he gives it to us and releases it into our situations, just not always in the way that we expect. But I think probably too many of us live down the other end of the spectrum of not really realizing what we have in this power. And that, mm. that, that, that was kind of my heart in preaching this passage was to say, I think a lot of us live, you know, thinking this is just like a tiny little tap that's going to drip a little bit, whereas God wants to completely mm. turn on the fire hydrant. You know, he's got this incredible power and we don't always realize just how powerful he is. So that's... I guess for, for me, I was kind of thinking, uh, thinking of it in terms of how, how God often works in the opposites of us. Mm. When we're weak, then we're strong. Mm. You know, and so many passages of Scripture point out that opposites yeah. kind of effect. That the world tells us this, but God tells us this. And then I think about the Apostle Paul, where in Corinthians he talks about all the things he he suffered through and all the things of uh, all the really tough things that he's gone through. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think oftentimes God's mm-hmm. power comes in those times when we have to endure, mm-hmm. when we have to mm-hmm. when we have to really suffer through mm-hmm. some of the things mm-hmm. that we go through in life. But yet God's power is there, his presence, his peace is there in the enduring Mm. part of it. Mm. And I think Paul's attitude in this section, it is a prayer. And he was Mm. really praying that the believers at Ephesus would actually grow in their knowledge and understanding and experience of that Mm. power. So it wasn't as though the Ephesian believers had it all together, they experienced this power on a day-to-day basis, and we as 21st century Christians don't know what it's like in the same way that we're wrestling with these things today i think they were wrestling with it today and that's why paul Mm. was actually committing himself to pray for these believers Mm. and asking Mm. that god would help them to see more fully what god's power is how god has been working in their lives and how god will continue to work in lives Mm. and i think for me it reminded me of importance of prayer Mm. and that we need to be faithful to pray for each other uh, for our church family in the same way that Paul prayed for them that we need to be praying for our fellow believers uh, at Shaw Community Church that they would grow more and more in their knowledge and understanding and experience of God working in their lives because it is a supernatural thing that is taking place and that we need to be praying and encouraging one another that we would experience that greatness 
in the same way that Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers. Mm. Yeah, that's such a good reminder. Absolutely. This is, yeah, this is a prayer that we're praying, Yep, not just uh, instructions that we're reading. And what you shared before, Randall, reminded me of uh, 2 Corinthians 12, I think it is, where Paul talks about that strength and weakness idea. And um, after listing all of his weaknesses, you know, talks about God's grace, Christ's grace is sufficient mm, for us yes. because right. his power is made perfect in our weakness. That's right. And yeah. therefore he yeah. says, I'll boast all the more in my weaknesses and my, you know, humiliations and so on, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. So he really does tie it together. Mm. You're right. In terms of, uh, you know, God's power comes through our human weaknesses. So I guess what you're saying is sometimes we may not, we may not even sense that it's God's power that's working because we may just experience weakness in our life. But somehow, simply through enduring and trusting mm. and obeying in those weaknesses, we can and are experiencing God's strength. And I wonder if that's really where God God shows up in our weakness, mm. in our fears, when in those times when we really need God. Mm. You know, when life is going well, we don't have a tendency to think about God as much. Mm. But in those tough times, and God gets us through that, mm. I think that's where we really see that, that power. And so often, mm. Scripture speaks to us about... Um, when we are weak, we are strong. That mm. God, God is there for us in mm. our in our weakness, in our struggles. Yeah. And Paul very much brings that out in mm. Corinthians and mm. Philippians. He mm. he brings out that idea that um, we can rely on God, and God will be present mm. even when life isn't going that well yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the the problem with our weaknesses and the problem with going through difficult times. And this is just where it gets really practical is that unfortunately often those times push us away from God. Mm-hmm. You know, and it I know do, I know yeah. it in my own yeah. life, it can do, mm-hmm. yeah, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be. But it can be the case that when when we're just in a bad place, we're miserable, often we're exhausted in those kind of seasons of life as well. And it's not easy to mm-hmm. cling to God even though we we might we might want to. I find this um, in talking with people that struggle with mental illness. And there's an interesting pattern that I've observed, and I don't know whether there's much to this, but people that struggle with depression, I think depression can push us away from God because it numbs us. and mm-hmm. it, it almost just makes us sort of unfeeling towards everyone, including God. Anxiety, on the other hand, often draws us to God because it's just such a horrible, awful, heightened feeling, and we want to do anything we can to avoid it. And so we run to God, mm-hmm. and we need him, and we want him. But there's just two different experiences you know, mm-hmm. of life one of which can sort of pull us towards God, one of which can push us away from God. But in both of those situations, we want to, we want to experience his power and can. Yeah, and often we, we look to God to fix our problems mm. instead of to help us endure through the problems. Yeah. And I don't think scripture always promises that he'll fix our yep. problems. Yep. But he always promises that he'll be there with us through the yep. problems. Yeah. And Michael, you made a good point there too, that, that this is a prayer that Paul's, Paul's praying that we might have that power even when we struggle, yep. you know? And for many of us, well, speaking personally anyway, that prayer is often the last place that I go to. Mm. Whereas if you look at Paul, prayer was the first place that he went to. And he would pray for himself, he would pray for other people, he would pray that they would understand more about God, understand more about God's power, understand more about how God could work in their lives. Mm. Whereas so often, prayer is just so far down the list. We try and solve the problems so many ways, and then when yeah. all else fails, yeah. we turn to prayer. Whereas with Paul, it's the other but way. But how out. often has God showed up when you finally decide totally. to turn totally. to prayer and turn mm-hmm. to God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 that's that's so true. 
So, well, thank you guys for uh, having this conversation. And I wonder, since Paul prayed for for the Christians and prayed for us, I wonder if one of you would uh, like to close us out in prayer. Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful for the fact that you do come to us, Lord, that you do hear our prayers, Lord. And Father, in the same way that Paul prayed a blessing upon the Ephesian believers, I just want to pray a blessing on those that might hear this, Lord. We pray that they would know more fully what you have done for them in their own lives, Lord. They would understand the fullness of salvation. They would see the redemption that is achieved through Jesus Christ. And Father, that they would experience the Holy Spirit working in their own lives and that they would be able to live the lives that God intended, not on their own strength, but through the strength that you give to them, Lord. So Father, we pray that you would help all of us to live a life empowered by your Spirit, Mm. honouring and glorifying you. We Mm. pray this Mm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm.